0: Thank you so much, Tanya. Before we begin the message today, I don't believe on bragging about myself or my family, but I do want to brag on Russell and Linda Wicker today because their granddaughter won the Grand National Racking, Speed Racking Horse Championship last night. Their granddaughter, Kelly, who's a member of this church. Oh, did I mention that... uh, She's married to my son. <laughs> There's really a spiritual story about that horse too, isn't there, Linda? It's an amazing thing. Uh, two or three months ago, that horse was dying. The vet said it wouldn't live through the night. And uh, we went out there and walked around that round pen seven times. And on the seventh time, we shouted praise and glory. And I said, Fury you're not going to die. And she looked at me like, yes, I am too. (laughs) But anyway, to the vet's amazement, the Lord did raise up that horse. And that horse, I mean, that was at the point of death. The vet was out there, I think about five or six days in a row. And it was just pitiful just to see a horse laying on the ground like that. But Kelly spent the night in the barn with it and Treated it like a baby and uh, and we prayed and, and it's hard to believe last night. Grand National Championship. There's power in prayer. Okay, so if you're having trouble with your child, walk around them seven times and then bop them on the head. Why suffering? About a week ago, some nut, and I understand the death toll now is 59 People were killed at a country music festival. Some were Christians, some weren't Christians, but if they liked country music, they probably all were pretty good folks, don't you think? Why? Why? There was an atheist spared. There was a Christian killed. Why? Suffering. Well, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I want to share with you some things that helped me when I'm reminded of things like that. First of all, don't blame God. The book of James chapter 1 verse 13 tells us, if any man be tempted, let him not say that God tempted him because God cannot be tempted with evil and God tempteth no man with evil. It goes on down to say in verse 17 of James chapter 1, all good and perfect gifts come from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. God is a good God. Suffering's not a good thing. If you have your Bibles, get ready to turn to several passages this morning. The first one is Genesis chapter 1, the second Genesis 2, and the third Genesis 3. Suffering started when sin started. It's not God's fault. In Genesis chapter 1, God finishes his creation. And in verse 31, we read, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. God looked at his creation. It was finished, and it wasn't just good. It was very good. That means there was no suffering. There was no sin yet, and there was no suffering. God's a good God and gave us a good, suffering-free creation. But... Since the greatest of all the commandments according to Jesus in Matthew 22 is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Love can't be coerced. Love can't be forced. God created man in his own image and God has volition and therefore he gave man a choice. Volition. True love must be something you choose. must be something you commit to. It's not to be put in you like a robot, then it wouldn't be true love from you. So God gave man a choice. Verse 16 of chapter 2 in Genesis, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Die equivalates with suffering. Some folks say, well, why did the Lord have to put that One tree in the garden. I've got a bigger question. Why only one tree? There were hundreds of beautiful trees. Hundreds of trees with wonderful, delicious fruit that you can't imagine that tasted so well. Why did he just put one tree? Because he's such a gracious God. Just one tree need of all the others. But he gave man a choice. Chapter 3. Satan came through the serpent and tempted the woman in verse 6 of chapter 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And you know the result. They became ashamed. And they began to die physically. Suffering now had entered the picture Decay had entered the picture. The second law of uh, thermodynamics, things decay, run out, run down, now enters the picture. Spiritual death, a separation from God happened immediately at that time. So God comes looking for them and they're hiding and God confronts them. And the man said, When the Lord said, why did you do this, Adam? The blame game. He said, the woman that you gave me. He's really not just blaming the woman. Eve, he's blaming God. You wouldn't have given me this woman, Lord. Well, then the woman blames the serpent, and then the serpent, after him, God deals with the woman and Adam. Well, just skip down to it. Look at chapter 3. We're talking about the beginning of suffering, the source of suffering, the origin of suffering. Verse 14 of chapter 3, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed. Wow. First time the word curse appears in the Bible. We now live in a sin-cursed, suffering world. Then he deals with the woman in verse 16, and he says, we won't read all of it, I will greatly multiply. Wow. He didn't just say, you're going to suffer. I will greatly multiply your sorrow. Then he comes to the man in verse 17, and to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed, there's that word again. Cursed is the ground. Not for my sake. It's not my fault, but for your sake. It's because of what you've done. You've chosen to turn away from my love. You've chosen to turn your back on my plan for your life. You've chosen to follow self, sin, and Satan because of what you've done. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken; for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Romans five twelve sums it up. Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, and death? Death is just the ultimate end of suffering, end of suffering. Wherefore is by one man Adam sin entered the world, and death by sin? So death is passed on to all men for all of sin. Don't blame God. I may not understand. I don't understand everything about suffering. You know, when Job confronted the Lord about his suffering, when he finally shut up, God never answered his question why he was suffering. You know what God did? God began to tell Job about his glory and his greatness. And that is, now this is in Isaiah, but it's, Summed up in Job too. his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, his ways than our ways. He's incomprehensible. And when he quit, Job didn't even ask why anymore. It's like a little child doesn't understand why a parent's going to carry that child to the doctor. But the child knows the parent loves them. And I know any God that sent his son to die for my sins loves me amazingly, like we sang a few moments ago. I know that. I don't have to have all the whys right now because I know God loves me. But even though we may not have all the whys, don't blame God. God's a good God. God didn't create suffering. Suffering is a result of mankind's sin. Plain and simple. I've told this before. I'll tell it again. I mean, what can you do? Fire me? <laughs> It's an experience you don't forget. I was a little fellow, and we had a few cows on the farm, and surrounding the cows was an electric fence. I remember as though it was yesterday. We were sitting at the, we call it supper, supper table, and Dad said, now, son, whatever you do, don't don't touch that electric fence, because if, if you do, it's going to shock you. I don't know, days, maybe some weeks passed, and I was playing next to that fence, the barn was on one side, and I remember, an the electric fence over here and a few cows out there. And I thought to myself, I thought, as a little redheaded boy, I thought, you know, I'll bet you if you touch that electric fence, it'll just do something for you. And I walked over there and I took my little lily white hands, both of them, and I grabbed that electric fence and, you know, it did do something for me. My red hair was probably redder than it's ever been, stood up straighter in my head than it's ever stood. It shocked the daylights out of me. Now, could I go to my dad and say, Dad, it's your fault that I suffered. No, it's not his fault. He told me not to do it. He told me if I didn't do it, it was going to hurt. The only one to blame was myself. Secondly, and I love this, are you listening? Because some of you are really suffering now. There are different kinds of suffering: some physically, some emotionally, and so on. Suffering will not last forever; it's short-lived. You say, "But now, wait a minute, Jack. You don't know. I've had this sugar. I've had this uh, juvenile diabetes or whatever all of my life. I take four shots a day. That's a long time. Don't tell me suffering short-lived. Well, in the way we look at things, it. It may not be, but remember, the Bible says uh, that with God, a thousand years is as a day. In the light of eternity, if you suffer for a 100 years, you live to be 100 years old and you suffer, it's a drop in the bucket compared to eternity in heaven. There's coming a day when God will do away for, with suffering. You know that. Turn to the last book in the Bible now. The last chapter of the last book is Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. Why doesn't God do away with suffering? He's all powerful. He is going to do away with suffering. At the right time. In Revelation chapter 22, he's describing heaven And he says in verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now, this is my favorite thing about heaven, verse 4. They shall see his face. There's coming a day when there'll be no more suffering in heaven. Now, look at Revelation 21 in verse 4. Often it's read at funerals. It tells you a little bit more about this no-suffering Revelation 21 and verse 4 and God will wipe away. It's, It's a personal thing. It's like a loving parent wiping away a tear. And God will wipe away every, did you hear that? Every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. Goodbye, arthritis. For the former things have passed away. There is coming a day when God will do away with suffering. Now, before I leave this point, let me get back to this short-lived thing of suffering. Even if we do suffer a lot of our life, in comparison to forever in this wonderful place where there's not even a tear, it's a drop in the bucket. I'm not belittling your suffering. There are some of you, you're my heroes because you face suffering so boldly. Turn to 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. See, we don't think enough in the light of eternity. We think too much about the world right here and now being all there is. Even as Christians, we get lulled into that by our our world system. But Paul says you need to think in the light of the way things really are, not just here and now, but forever and ever in heaven as a child of God where there'll be no suffering. If you suffer for 100 years here, live to be 100, and you're in some kind of pain or disease, and, and you go to heaven, you'll live without suffering. You'll live in perfect joy and peace and love beyond what you could even imagine for not just 100 years, But a thousand years, but a million years, but a billion years, but a trillion years. I'm telling you, if you suffered all of your life with some disease or something, in the light of eternity for the child of God, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's short lived. Don't forget that. Paul says in verse 16 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, chapter 4, yet we do not lose heart. One translation says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outward man is perishing, the physical is suffering. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's the spiritual man. Look at this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now, some of you might say, well, Paul, you don't know what it is to really suffer if you just had a light affliction. Excuse me. We don't have time for it, but sometime turn over to chapter 11 of this book and read about Paul's sufferings in chapter 11. Unreal. How many of you have been stoned and left for dead? How many of you have been beaten with wooden rods? How many of you have suffered shipwreck the day and a night in the sea? There's nobody here that suffered like Paul the apostle suffered. And yet, when he viewed it in the light of eternity, what did he say? It's a light affliction. It's a light affliction. It's but for a moment. It's working for us a far exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not, here's the key, here's the secret. We do not look, focused at the things which are seen, the right here and now, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, are eternal. Don't blame God for that massacre. God's a good God. He didn't bring about that. It was man's sinful choice. Look at the great sinner that did that shooting, murderer that he was. Don't blame God and remember, in the light of your glorious forever future, it's just for a moment. Hold on. Don't get bitter. Don't give up. Be faithful. Be courageous. Now, the last thing I share with you. God uses suffering in the meantime. No, God is not the author of suffering, but God uses suffering. The famous verse, Romans eight twenty eight. And by the way, you know Romans 8 is about suffering. Romans chapter 8 talks about suffering. even talks about the creation, groaning because of the curse of sin and suffering upon it. It's not all it was meant to be. And Romans 8, 28 comes up and says, For we know this, that all things work together, even suffering. All things work together for good, to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, his children. Paul doesn't say, now we know all things are good. Suffering's not good. Cancer's not good. Sickness is not good. Death is not good. But Paul says, God causes all things, yes, even suffering, especially suffering in the context of Romans 8, to work together. For good. Let me share with you three good things that happen through suffering until the Lord ends that suffering. And that's coming about one day soon. Number one, he uses it to convert the sinner. Wow, I'm running out of time. You got to turn to Revelation real quick. Revelation chapter 7. He uses it to convert the sinner in Revelation chapter 7. Verse 9, we're going to have to skip around. Verse 9, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no man could number. Wow. Now God can number it, but no man could number it, so many. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hand and they're praising the Lord and they're having the greatest spiritual celebration you've ever seen. And the elder asked John in this heavenly vision, John who wrote Revelation, who are these? And he says in verse 14, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones, all these folks that have gotten saved, these are the ones who come out of the, not just tribulation, the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, and then you read, this is one of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 24, For then there shall be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, and never shall be. And unless those days were short and all flesh should be saved. Okay, here, here it is. Before he comes again, the greatest time of suffering that there's ever been is going to come upon the earth. And you know what else is going to happen? You know what else is going to come out of that? A great multitude of people being saved. Yeah, Kelly rode that horse last night, but my son trained it. Now, he, he's kind of new at this, and uh, some of you may not appreciate this, <laughs> But anyway, he had a horse that just wouldn't break. Not this horse. Kept biting him, kept rearing up on him, kept throwing him. And uh, Russell Wicker, who's been around horses a long time, said, you need to get a stick, a good hickory type stick. And the next time that horse rears up and tries to throw you and bite, you just hit him right between the ears with that stick. Now, my son's a big fella. And he said, he said, that's what I did. He said, Dad, I felt bad. He said, the horse knees buckled. He said, but you know that horse has been doing everything I say since then. Sometimes God needs to hit this world. Sometimes God needs to hit mankind. Sometimes God needs to hit us square in the head with a stick to get our attention. If nothing else, what happened last week ought to cause us to realize, but for the grace of God, we could have been there. But for the grace of God, a terrorist nut could pull in here today. Thank God we've got a wonderful security outfit here, thanks to John Johnson and the Lord. I feel better than I ever have. But it ought to remind us we're going to die. Are we ready? We need to make sure we're saved. So God uses suffering to convert the sinner. Secondly, to conform the saint. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight. Remember, it said all things work together for good to those who love God and call according to his purpose. Don't look, miss out on 29. It tells you his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I think Jeff shared this wonderful illustration a while back about a great sculptor he was known throughout the world. He could take a, a huge stone and just sculpt it into an individual and it looked so much like them. It looked lifelike. And they asked him his secret. He said, well, I, I, I envision the person that I want this statue to look like and then I chip away every bit of this rock that doesn't look like that person. God has predestined us to look like Jesus. That's why ultimately at the rapture the Bible says we shall be like him. We won't be him. We're going to be like God accomplishes what he purposes like that. But right here now he's constantly working on each of us, chipping away things that are unChrist-like, and it hurts. So he uses suffering to convert the sinner and to conform the saint into the likeness of Jesus. And then lastly, to convey his glory. Now, there are a lot of sub points under all of these. I'm just mentioning three main areas. To convey his glory. In John chapter 1, glory means God's greatness and manifested perfections. In chapter 1 of John, verse 1 and verse 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that's Jesus, and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If there would have been no sin, there would have been no suffering, but there also would have been no Savior. Folks, when I look at Jesus Christ in his birth, life, ministry, and especially his death, whew, What a God. Glory to God. Look at the love on the cross. Look at the holiness that would would demand that the sinless Son of God die and suffer for us. Look at the justice. Sin must be judged. God can't just say, well, I'll forget about it. He's just. He's holy. He's love. On and on we could go but suffering can be used to glorify the Lord. That's why I say my greatest heroes of the faith in the ministry are Christian people who lose loved ones, Christian people who hear you've got cancer, Christian people who suffer, and yet they keep loving Jesus And they send the message, I don't just love the Lord for what he does. I love him for who he is. Amen. That's the testimony the world needs to see. So I close where I began with that Las Vegas massacre. Sonny Melton, 29 years old, registered nurse from Big Sandy, Tennessee. I think the body came back yesterday to Tennessee. Graduate of Union University. When the shooting started, he covered his wife of only a year, I think. He was shot in the back and killed, shielding his wife. I think of Jesus Christ who saw sin and suffering and death upon us and came to this earth and on the cross. He took it for us. He died in our place that we might be saved. One day absolutely delivered from suffering and even while experiencing it here and now, find God's glory and purpose and strength In the midst of it. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Oh, Father, I know when it comes to suffering, none of us are experts, and I'm sure not because I have suffered so little. Why me, Lord? Not because I'm better than anybody else who has suffered. But God, I want to thank you that you don't leave us without hope. You don't leave us without faith. You don't leave us without answers. The world looks and says, how can there be an all-powerful God and how can there be a God of love and allow things to happen such as that massacre in Las Vegas? Well, Father, we say to you today as believers of your Holy Word, we don't blame you. We look in the mirror and we blame us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all in our hearts have rebelled against you. And then God, we want to say thank you because Lord, there's coming a day for the child of God that forever and ever 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 there'll be nothing but perfect peace, love, joy, no suffering, no tears. And we will say with Paul, You know that suffering on earth that seemed so long then. It it just was so short-lived compared to now. Forgotten all about it. And we want to thank you, God, that you, as a great God, you didn't ordain suffering, you didn't create suffering, but, Lord, you use it. You use it to convert the sinner, to conform the saint to the image of Christ and to display and convey your great glory. That you are willing to send your son to suffer more than anyone has ever suffered because you so love the world. Thank you, God. If you've never accepted Jesus, accept him today. Let him be the shepherd of your soul. Come home to God. Can you believe God loves you so much that he would enter suffering, though he never sinned? To deliver us from it one day and if there are other decisions that need to be made today make them There's some of you here God bless you you're suffering you don't know what a good night's sleep is you don't know what a day is without pain no one has any idea except maybe your closest relatives how hard it is even for you to get up and come to church on Sunday morning God knows And folks, remember in the light of eternity, it's a momentary affliction. May God give you strength and encouragement today through his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.